Manchester United against Liverpool off. Do United fans protest too much? Or is this the start of a revolution? Could it also be just an angry splutter from a dying game? Step free from the Glazers before they got their $455.5 million in debt. Old Trafford today was a line crossed. Kids smashing up cars who couldn't afford tickets anyway. Just what is going on in English football? Well, this is Week in the Tackle, uh, a Sirius XM FC podcast. Tom Rennie and Brian Dunseth with you. Now, it's weird, to be honest, because we've envisaged this program as we'll cover a lot of bases. We'll go back through the last week and we'll pick things out that we think are interesting. Um, we recorded one program last week about the English game and the European game trying to set fire to itself. And this week we thought, well, that's over. That's done with. Oh, what's that? kids with matches we could be in trouble on this program trying to cover uh, a great deal of ground um Dunny you said it in the intro there and I think it's a really really interesting point and we've got to talk about this at length because it's the biggest story in world football just take a step back from this for a minute and just think about this Man United against Liverpool the two most successful sides in English football the classic of English football the Real Madrid Barcelona the Bayern Dortmund game that we sell around the world we broadcast on Sirius XM FC it's on NBC it's huge 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 around the world and it was called off because the fans or the protesters however you want to build them we will talk about that but they said no we will not allow this game to go ahead until we tell the Glazers what we think of them I mean, before we get into the minutiae of it, on the macro scale of this, what a huge story. Yeah. The biggest game we have was called off because of a fan protest. Yeah, b- billions of eyeballs, Tom. Billions of eyeballs on the table today. Uh, billions of ears listening. Uh, and you, and listen, hearing here on SiriusXMFC Channel 157, in real time, what was potentially going to happen and then ultimately what did happen. And... To see the images, to wake up here in the United States, being a Manchester United fan, getting ready for one of the biggest games of the season, knowing the implications that were on the line for both Liverpool and Manchester United. And to know that in this past week, the idea of what this protest was going to be outside of Old Trafford. And this is, again, in context of what happened at Woodward's house, what happened just a few days ago at the training ground, understanding what happened outside of Stamford Bridge, what we just saw outside of the Arsenal game just a few days before. One would have thought that whether it was the Greater Manchester Police, it was the security at the stadiums, it was the stewards themselves, that there would have been an understanding of the potential danger of what was going to happen and how quickly something that could be quote unquote peacefully protested turn into something more significant and something more significant. It was, as I listened to your coverage over across the pond in England in real time, Tom, it's trying to wrap my head around it. You're live on radio. Try yeah. Tell me what you were thinking. I mean, it is important to try and break down what has happened here because I still feel in, it's not shock. Shock's too much, but I am I'm incredibly um, just taken aback by what has happened because we knew there was going to be a protest outside. Hmm. Uh, this was scheduled for a long time. You know, the 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 yellow and green. You know, the 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 um, the protest when the Glazers first came in. And they were like, we don't want to be owned by a a franchise owner. We don't want to be saddled with this debt. 
by an ownership with a club, as you mentioned already, that didn't have any debt uh, when it was sold to the Glazers 10 odd years ago. Uh, So there's always been protests. So I want to absolutely park right now. Anyone that might listen to this and say, well, if they were winning the league, I saw Graham Sooners make this incredibly steaming pile of hot take on TV where he was basically saying, well, they wouldn't be doing this if they were top of the league, would they? You know, this was happening, you know, as you know, I'm a West Ham fan and there are protests against David Gold and David Sullivan. And people always say, well, if you weren't battling relegation every year and you were winning the league at the Olympic Stadium, you wouldn't be doing this protest, would you? And I have to say, no, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That does paper over cracks. Absolutely, it does. It really does. But it's not the reason why people are protesting. People have lost something about football that maybe, you know, to your point about not realising how big this was going to be, I think still at the moment, there'll be listeners to this in America not quite understanding why this is so big. Um, and there were fans that were on that field today, whether they were fans or protesters, you know, these might be board kids who live in Salford that heard there was going to be a protest and thought we'd get in here. You know, they, they, they forced their way past security through the Munich tunnel, got onto the pitch. You look at those kids on the pitch. They're like 15, mm. right? These are 15-year-old kids who could not afford to go to a game at Old Trafford. If you want a microcosm of what the protest is all about, there it is laid out for you. Um, So, I mean, we're planning to do the game, right? And we're in their commentary positions. Paul Parker and I, a man who's won the Premier League with Man United. It's on Sirius XMFC in the US. It's being broadcast around the world. And we knew already there was issues with this protest. Scheduled to start at two o'clock, or scheduled, as you might say, wrongly, (laughs) but scheduled to start at two o'clock. Um, by 2.15, 2.40, it's got a lot bigger than Greater Manchester Police thought it was going to get. Again, underestimating that disenfranchisement that a lot of football fans will feel. Perfect. Um, around about, say, 3 o'clock, 3.30, you, you can probably go on YouTube this now if you want to. Jamie Carragher's pit side. We're not pit side. Jeff Shreves is with him. And this is when the teens get on the pitch. And Jeff Shreves is talking to Jamie Carragher doing the bit you have to do. And, and maybe he feels it, I don't know, but he says, these are not the scenes you want to see. You know, like when you see a punch-up on the pitch, Franny Lee windmilling in, and you've got to say, nobody wants to see this, brackets, everybody <laughs> loves this. Um, but that, this is not that, okay? But, you know, that, that phrase just comes out of your mouth when you're live. And it cuts to Jamie Carragher. And this is the moment, I think, that people started to realise, you know, this is going south here. You know, you're still playing your violin as the Titanic sinks until suddenly your ankles are wet. And Jamie Carragher's ankles got wet, maybe literally, but certainly figuratively, live on TV, uh, because who knows what these people are and what they want. There could be one bad actor in a group of 20, and you don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, to your point on what we were doing, we didn't know. We literally did not know what was happening or whether the game was going to go ahead. We were talking to our our colleague, Nigel Pearson, who who came on with us on on Sirius. Um, We were chatting to uh, some colleagues we've got that were in the hotel, Cafe Football, where a lot of the... um, a lot of the media go. It's, it's directly outside the Samat Busby entrance and where the, um, where the, where the statue is that, that many of you would have seen on TV. Um, and there was a lot of confusion. And I'm surprised, actually, it didn't get called off earlier. Um, and, I mean, let's talk about who these people are. I think that's important because you made the point earlier, and I'd love you to expand on it, about it going too far, because yeah. that is what I think is interesting <clears throat> here. Because I mentioned a, a moment ago, these protests have been going on uh, the Newton Heath protest, which was the club they were formed as, and it's all the, the green and yellow stuff. Um, and everyone knows about this. Most football fans know about this. And what happened? What changed? The Glazers have been in charge, eight years of mediocrity, uh, and they've taken a fortune out. 
Now, is that is that acceptable? Is it good? Is it bad? You know, I, I'd love your view on it. I mean, I, I certainly have my own views on it. Yeah. But these have been going on a long, long time. They've not been listened to. They do a protest outside. The, the Super League concept was egregious. And obviously, there was no consultation done with these guys who have been grandfathered in. Mm. And the feeling is, and we discussed it in our Super League special, that things aren't going to change. And there, then we get to today. Yeah. So, so Tom, a little backstory. Uh, Manchester United fan have been since like 1992. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, his family was from Oldham. And when I would go over to his house, we would pull out the VHS, VHS tapes and we'd watch Manchester United games. And that's how I became a Manchester United fan. Been to the stadium probably 15, 20 times with the U S under 20 national team, the U S under 23 team. We were based just out in Manchester. We would train at the training facility. We would play against Manchester reserve, Manchester United reserves. Uh, so I've been, you know, I've been there. I've been inside of the stadium. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a part of these generation of football fans that have held a season ticket at old Trafford for, for years. I grew up in Southern California. I grew up through the Rodney King riots in my teenage years. I've mm. seen how quickly things can escalate and watching today and seeing those images where I understood kind of this swell of anti glazer family sentiments for years, right? From the, from the very beginning, what 2015, 790 million. And that's the debt load. That's all of a sudden now associated with the club. Now, currently, four hundred and fifty-five million, um, as the recent reports had been pushed out. Today, when I think about where we're at as a society, when I think about what's happened here in the United States, when I think about what's happening over in England, when you when you think about the politics of society and how that has bled into sports, um, there's an anger, there's a sentiment of mm. anger, of frustration, of not having their voice heard. And at some point, as you were talking about with the green and gold, the anti-glazer campaign, all the way back in 2010, even the pushback that Sir Alex Ferguson got when he said, but hold on a second, the glazers back me in the market. You know, they, they, they seem to be good owners. I think what we've started to see is at some point, there is a specific group of supporters. And it's not just Manchester United. I think it's it's football supporters in general right now in the Premier League that are looking at Project Big Picture. They're now looking mm. at the ESL, the, the, the Super League pitch, and they're saying enough's enough. And to your point, we have seen this commercial side of the game grow, right? Whether it's an Adidas or a Chevy dealership where all of a sudden this, this incredible rise of income happens for Manchester United. And wait a second, the Glazers are kind of taking a percentage, but what's the real percentage? And why isn't that money going back in the mm. facility? And Old Trafford versus some of the newer stadiums or the training facilities versus some of the newer training facilities. Why isn't that infrastructure financially being being fed right now? Mm. I get all this. My 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 thing, and again, having watched everything here in the United States with what happened at the Capitol in the beginning of January, I just personally felt that when I was watching this, we're in the midst of one of the biggest moments, a social media boycott this weekend. Yeah. Hundreds of millions. Uh, of of, of views, uh, of tweets, whatever, the social media campaign doing something so great. And the moment that those fans walked through the doors at Old Trafford, mm. made their way to the pitch, and then chucking tripods or whatever, walking on the stand. Oh, criminal damage, actual criminal damage, which yeah, is an offense. I, I just think that 
like, was I laughing when the guy fell off the top of the roof of the net? Yeah, I was. I was laughing yeah, at that. Yeah, to be fair, have a moment of levity in your day. I mean, that was superb. <laughs> that, was that was excellent. <laughs> he was trying to do Scotland at Wembley in the 1970s <laughs> and did Scottish bloke in Edinburgh after far too many whiskeys on a Friday night. He That's what he did. He embarrassed he himself. Expected. Yeah, he, he got down much faster than he expected. You've got to take I, your moments of levity when you can. I, I just felt like a line was crossed. And, and you know, I've, I've after after watching on social media, the way the pushback was, and people were coming for me for after what I tweeted. I just, there's a difference between protesting outside and having your voice heard versus stepping inside of that stadium. Because mm. yeah, I, I just, I, I struggle, I struggle to think that every single person that walked through that stadium isn't going to face some type of legal ramifications for trespassing into ultra, especially in the midst of this COVID shutdown and everything that's happening. My question, Tom, as I'm watching this, where do we go from here? Ugh. So we've shut down. We've shut where down. Where do we go big, from here? No, honestly, we shut down one me. of the biggest games in Premier League football each yes. season. Worldwide eyeballs all over the place. And now, now, is is this open up Pandora's box to where people think that oh, we'll just bum rush the stadium and we'll get the game canceled? But the jar is already open, right? Pandora's 100%. jar was open yeah. a long, long time ago. The 100%. negative forces are already in. I was really struck in conversation uh, with Nigel Pearson, who was our reporter outside of Old Trafford, um, and our colleague Billy Japer was chatting to him on Sirius. And now he said this, and I thought it's really stuck with me throughout the day. His feeling from speaking to fans outside and protesters outside, I will try and find a, a way of describing these people because you know fans could will offend people who are against it. Protesters, will, you know, could potentially be offended. But these individuals, whatever this collective of individuals. What he kept getting fed back to him was, we decide when this game kicks off. Hmm. And I thought that was a really, really interesting point that, that Nigel made. And he gets that from speaking to people that were there. We make the decisions. It is not the Glazers. It is not the Premier League. And by the way, it's worth mentioning. Um, and, and I like you. I'm not condoning any violence. I'm try We're trying to find, what, find out the, the truth in what's happening, right? And, you know... A friend of mine is part of a group called Extinction, Extinction Rebellion. You, you may have seen them in the news. They certainly have an impact in America. They had a massive impact here in, in London recently before the pandemic when they basically shut London down. You know, people were gluing their hands to bridges to stop traffic. You know, hmm. very extreme thing to do to promote a, um, a pro-environmentalist agenda. There's more to it than that. I'm trying to be brief. Um, and he said, look, we did a march. We did a march, and what happened? Nothing. We, we, we did a protest outside certain buildings. Nothing happened. When we closed London Transport down, there was immediate discussions. What do you want? How do we help you? Now, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but with these fans, you know, they have not been listened to for a long, long time. And it isn't just anti-Glazer, I don't think, from a lot of these people, because there's a lot here to look at. Yeah. There's a moment where a individual is on the pitch at Old Trafford, incredible to be saying this out loud, and he shoots a flare into the media bit where Sky Sports are. Now, Sky Sports have taken football in this country since the, the Premier League became a thing in 1992, and they have sold back to the people what they used to get for free. And in, there's been a lot of positives to that, a lot of positives to the commercialization, the capitalization. And I don't think there's a lot of people here that are saying, what we need is full communism. And when do we want it? I don't know. Let's have a discussion and decide. Mm -hmm. They're not doing that. 
I think the issue is, you know, there's no regulation to that. A lot of these people are feeling they're anti-Sky, they're anti-commercialism, and they're like, why do you keep taking the thing that we love and I have been made to love through being brought here by my granddad when I was five, and now you're charging me 70, 80, 90, 100 pounds to go. And I imagine what these protests would be like if 70, 80,000 were expected at Old Trafford today. There may be better security, to your point earlier on, were they not expecting this to happen? I don't know. But on the pitch, you look at them. And now, I'm relatively old now. As you all know, you're looking at me and you're thinking, God, look at, these, look at those bags under his eyes. What has he, what's he been robbing? Where has he been? Has he, has he been shoplifting? What's he got in there? Um, no, I'm just old now. And, but so everyone looks young to me. But those people on the pitch were young. Hmm. I'm talking 16, 17, 18. We were getting helicopter images live, and I was trying to relay that to the audience because, you know, you, you got no vantage point from your commentary position. You can't see anything. You can't really get involved in anything, and you're just trying to rely on other people. You know, this is people in studio just trying to get the vibe of what's happening outside. You're not on the, on the ground outside, whatever. And from the helicopter view, they zoomed in on a bunch of these protesters, okay? And firstly, outside the pub outside, the Stretford pub, people are just going down the eye road and people are stopping the cars and they're shaking the cars and they're trying to get the people out of the cars and maybe try and flip them. I don't know. You know, these people aren't interested in the Glazers' ownership of Man United. They're interested in being dicks and smashing stuff up, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's there always an element of that to these things. But it zoomed right in, this helicopter, to a kind of gate or fence, and it was a bunch of kids flicking the Vs or, you know, which is the British equivalent of showing the middle finger. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, do one kind of gesture. These kids are now, when you're old, everyone looks nine. But these kids were nine, right? They were nine years old and they've seen a camera and they're going, get out of my face, do one, flicking the V. You know, the kind of thing that, you know, if you did that when, when, when I was certainly younger and you're a little bit older than me, you know, our parents would not have been happy yeah they would not have taken that well no. but then they go home now and you think well what are they going home to they're going home to 18 months of pandemic they're going home to the tories being in government for 11 years they're going into brexit britain with the vote leave government who lied to get there and continue to lie every single day to our faces in one of the most socialist places in the country which is manchester liverpool the northwest the the the, the historic shipping towns and how do we, you and I, doing this program, mainly to Americans, people around the world listening, how do we say you're wrong? Hmm. You're wrong and you've gone too far. Yeah. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. I, I feel that it probably is, but we come from such different viewpoints on it. You, I, them. Yeah. How do we tell a 17-year-old you went too far? I don't know if I can. Well, how, how, how would we tell anybody in the greater Manchester area how to feel about anything that was transpiring in, in Los Angeles or in Chicago or in Miami or, you know, in, in Michigan, in Minnesota? Uh, how, do, how do we pontificate? No, you should or no, you shouldn't. I, I get, to a certain extent, I understand. I understand the frustration. I can, I can at least step back and say the genesis of this anti-glazer sentiment, where it started, how it escalated, the understanding of how we got to today. And my question going forward is, is there a way back? So, you know, we, we got on the backside of the ESL, right? The European Super League. And, and all we heard was, 
okay, we got to keep pushing. We got to take the game back. We have to take yes. the game back from these owners, whether they're American, they're Russian, they're Chinese, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're what, Italian, they're Spanish. Keep doing nationalities. Let's I'm, play I'm, the game. No, of how I'm, many I'm nationalities trying, can was, you do? I was, well, sorry, I was going through all the 12, <laughs> the 12 teams that were involved in the Super Bowl. Yes. And, 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 and then to your point, you know, you think about the political side, the frustration, this, this burning, burning desire to have your, 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 your voice heard, especially coming out of this pandemic and okay, the Glazers need to go, right? Okay. This, this is the overriding sentiment. Is there, let me ask you this though, before they have to go, is there, Mm. is there a platform for them to communicate with the fan base to come to some agreement? I don't think there is. No, but listen, it seems a bit how stubborn how stubborn have the glazers been so far so to cross the line go inside of the stadium is that is that going to be is the, is this the first step of many or is that the final straw and i don't think it's the final straw unfortunately which no. that then concerns me even more about whatever this looks like going forward the best of intentions now are completely washed over mm. because of the moment that these supporters or protesters or how, whatever we want to verbalize, these people that yeah. have now walked inside of the stadium, for as much as I hate it, Tom, they've made their point heard. Yeah. And it's I mean, they, they got they got the biggest the game in the world cancelled. They exactly. got the biggest game in the world that day. England's classic cancelled. Not over. Yeah. And I will tell over. you what, I mean, if it didn't get cancelled today, would we have spent twenty five minutes talking about it? And no. the answer is no. The answer the is ramifica- no. And what are the ramifications going forward? And I don't know the answer to that. And this is going to be an ongoing story. It is already an ongoing story as we speak. We don't know when the game is going to be rescheduled. We don't know when there'll be time to reschedule it. Um, when you'll be able to squeeze it in, I do yeah. not know. Um, look, I, I think to wrap this uh, for the moment, because it's not finished by any means, what happens next is such a big question that you asked. And what will be the impact of it? Will it be a sanction for Manchester United? Possibly. Will the Premier League be looking into sanction the club? Will there be upped security at Old Trafford for the next games? Probably. Um, will there be criminal prosecutions for people that entered the field of play? Will oh, yeah. there be criminal prosecutions for people that attacked vehicles and people? There's been some really horrible imagery that I didn't see personally, and I, I have seen the images being reported of a police officer who has been been cut on his face by someone outside. You know, there has been physical, real-world confrontations. Does that take away from what was a legitimate protest? Does that take away from legitimate grievance? And did anyone called something Glazer hear it? And if they heard it, do they care? I know Ed Woodward went to a meeting. Did they even know they had a game this weekend? (laughs) An excellent point. I mean, Ed Woodward went to a meeting this week, apparently, with with some supporters and got his backside handed to him, understandably. You know, you could say at least he went, uh, but they're, of course, spinning the line that he knew nothing about the Super League, which, you know, if you believe that, would you like to buy this bridge? Um, I'll tell you one glazer who did know about this, and I can tell you this for a fact. I love this bit of levity. See, always a little bit of levity here uh, when we have a bit of fun. Uh, you may or may not have heard of Jay Glazer. Yeah. Um, you would have done. We don't really know who this is in England. 
um, a cast member of Fox NFL Sunday, and he's also on Ballers, apparently, which I hear is a TV program. Um, well, he is, by all accounts, not part of this same Glazer family, and he tweeted this at 6.30 UK time, just as the game was meant to be getting underway and was postponed. Just to be clear, for the thousandth time, as I woke up to all this stuff sent my way on social media, my family is from Brooklyn, not Tampa. We do not own Manchester United. We can't sell because we don't own Manchester United. You simply can't be that good of a fan if you think an NFL insider owns your team, which I thought was lovely. And I really hope one day there is a well handled Jay, by the way. Um, love the show. I've heard great things. Um, but but I, lo- I really hope someday, you know, yeah. like in the, the film Office Space, where Michael Bolton um, is one of the characters and then Michael Bolton becomes obviously a famous singer and everyone's like, oh, like the singer. And he goes, yes, but he lived 20 years of his life and there was no other Michael Bolton. Yeah. I really hope a Tom Rennie becomes like president or like preferably the world's greatest porn star. One or the other. Either way, I'm happy. And everyone will be like, reservation for Tom Rennie? And it'll be like, yeah, let him in. (laughs) The sausage king of Chicago? (laughs) Yes. Don't let him in the back door, though. It'll be a heck of a mess. (laughs) You know, that's the kind of thing that I want to happen. So if you are a porn star looking for a stage name, all I'm saying is Tom Rennie is the perfect name to get everyone very, very excited. Um, And we'll leave that conversation with the Glazers there for the moment. There are some other bits to get to, which we should do right now. I do have another bit, actually, um, to build on our previous conversation, which is just worth mentioning. Uh, I think there's there's some things that, you know, we're trying to cover the week and the week's stories. The big story going into this weekend, and it was a really good initiative, actually. We should mention it here. You know, we're trying to bring some fun stuff, but at the moment, it's not the funnest of worlds, okay? I gave you my porn star thing. What more do you want? That was my funny material for this week. Um, There was a social media boycott this weekend. Um, And my company, TalkSport in the UK, I know SiriusXM in the US did it as well. SiriusXM FC was a massive part of this. And we've all decided to support this campaign. The Premier League is supporting, the, the PFA is supporting, the EFL is supporting everybody. All the major football and many sporting bodies in the UK uh, and it's against online abuse because we have covered this a lot on, on our shows um, with the sheer amount of vitriol. And our friend Charlie Stilitano, you know, we, we won't say what he tells us off air, but he's he takes a lot of really unnecessary and, you know, quite literally death threats, okay, yeah. from yeah. people who are like, I don't like the thing you did. I'm going to kill you now. And, you know, there is a gap between the reality and the social media of it all. Would you say that to Charlie in the street? No, because you're in massive, massive trouble if you do. Um, but you'd say it through an anonymous name on social media yeah. or even your own name. The amount of people that tell me they hate me and you go to their bio and it's proud father of three. And you're like, oh, my God. Oh, Christ. You know, yeah. so there was something properly done. I don't want to get into those people in this particular forum, but it was a really, really good thing. And firstly... It isn't going to be the biggest story now because of no. this protest. And again, no. you can't tell people when to protest. This was the first game. You know, they're not going to have a call with the Premier League, this this kind of homogenous blob and say, hold on a minute, you're trying to achieve something this weekend. Maybe we'll delay. That's just not how protest works and certainly not the, spontane- the spontaneous nature of some of it. Um, but I was a little bit disappointed. I don't want to name the people in it. 
um, because people will see for themselves and, you know, uh, you know, they're not here to defend themselves. However, there are people that said they were taking part in this boycott and they were boycotting in support of this thing until something big happened. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how I feel about that yet because we're recording this on the Sunday night of all this happening. But I will say, I personally am very much in favor of the hashtag stop online abuse. Uh, I was very pleased that uh, my bosses at TalkSport uh, provided a forum for us to do that. And they, they gave us some, some media to put out, but it was no obligation to do it. I wasn't pressurized to do it. I very much feel that online abuse and Twitter abuse and social media abuse needs to stop. I don't know the answer. I like some of the things the Premier League suggested. I think some of it's unworkable, but you know we can, we can do that another time. But I, I stuck to it. And I have stuck to it through all of this. And there are people there that felt they couldn't. Now, I'm not here to judge them. I'm just saying, if you are part of a boycott, you don't boycott until something happens. Or do you? Mm. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe, but, but, but people who come to me now and say, oh, I was doing the boycott, but then, I, but then they didn't do it because something big happened. Well, you're not doing the boycott, then are you? Yeah. So where, where does your support? Do you see what makes that unfair? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. And, and again, for me, it starts with Terry Henry walking away from all forms of social media to at least bring the initial general awareness to see what the players have been going through uh, and really race, color, creed, nationality, religion, uh, sexual, um, you know, the, 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 the horrific abuse that these, these players find themselves walking back to their phone as soon as they get inside that locker room and opening up the app. Um, again, I was talking with Andrew Williams on our show, uh, on Sirius XM counterattack in the afternoons. And the one thing that I said was, I hope what this does, it's not going to solve everything, but it's going to shine a light. And by shining a light on it, what I hope happens is that we see this weekend as a first step and what that second and third and fourth and fifth step needs to be, uh, that'll be determined in due course. But until we get to the point where either financially or, social media pressure going back to the social media giants that are affording or affording these horrific instances for these 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 n dimwit numb nutses uh, yeah. numpties uh whatever you want to call them let's 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 hit them where it hurts and i think where it hurts is walking away from social media over the weekend and that's a start now do we get into the passport or and or driver's license and or make sure every single person is verified on Twitter. And then at least there is a bit more accountability immediately, as opposed to having to search through and figure out who all these egg avatars are. Maybe, yes. Maybe not. Is that going to solve the problem? I don't know, but I'll tell you what, what hit home was watching Ian Wright talking to Alan Shearer oh. and Ian Wright showing Alan Shearer what he got that morning on social media. And Alan saying, I don't even want to read this. I don't even feel comfortable mm -hmm. reading this. And Ian's like, no, I'm going to read it. Because you need to hear. Everybody needs to hear. And the problem is going through all of the legal avenues that either the players or former athletes, now pundits, and or just normal, everyday people, mm. the, the hurdles that they have to jump over just to have some sort of accountability because somebody immediately decides that they can throw whatever vile hatred at somebody else behind a screen, down in their parents' basement, sipping on a warm glass of milk in the middle of the night. It's horrific. It's disgusting. And it needs to stop. Will it ever stop? I'm not sure. But this is what's disappointing, that this protest is overshadowing this yeah. significant opportunity for a social media boycott that potentially was promoting so much good this weekend. That, unfortunately, isn't going to have the effect we all hoped it would have.
let me ask you a question. I don't know if this will make the, the edit of the program, but I just want to hear what you think about this because have moral standards changed, do you yes. think? You know, you were playing um, top-level football in the US, what, like, turn the millennium, right? You're playing for these teams, 2005, yeah. whatever. And at that point, fans could scream at you. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's almost a rite of passage, right? If you're, you know, I've been a stand-up comedian and getting booed off stage is very much a rite of passage. You know, I've been cheered off and booed off. Um, I have been, I mean, some, I can't tell you the story on this show because, you know, it's one of the George Carlin words. Um, but I have been told to leave yeah. quite vociferously by a bunch of Millwall fans at one of my stand-up <laughs> sets after like three or four jokes that they did not enjoy. Um, and, and you've had it as well. You know, it's, it's the whole cliche, isn't it? Uh, Babe Ruth gets out, he, he gets thrown out of Yankee Stadium and people are throwing tomatoes at him. People take tomatoes yeah. to throw at people, you know, whether it's real or not, I don't know. But um, that's the big thing of it. And, and then all that's happening. But uh, you were mentioning it earlier on, the line. Where is the line? Who draws the line? Where's the mm. shared value now? Because even the Christians are Trump fans. Do you know what I mean? So wh- how do I know what the value is if the Christians support the adulterers now? Like, where, where, you know, that's, yeah, no, that's probably a bad analogy, but no, I don't I know. Where, where's our moral compass? Yeah, our, our moral compass in real time, and I know this is more, I guess, of a, of a, a bigger conversation, but I, I think we're in, I think we're in uncharted territory. I, I think there's so much information that is readily available at our fingertips each and every morning, right? We're not waiting for our nightly news. We're not waiting for the morning papers. We are literally scrolling and when it really comes down to it, Tom, it's, it's a feel good factor, right? We're creating these echo chambers of things we like and what we don't like and everything we don't like, we push out everything we like, we bring in. So these echo chambers of similar thought patterns of, Oh, I agree with this guy. Oh, he makes sense. I'll screw this guy. I'm going to unfollow him. It's Mm. scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, this makes me feel good. Scroll, scroll, scroll. That makes me angry. Scroll, scroll. It's just this immediacy of I've got to feel good. And there's a selfishness to this. And this selfishness, I think, becomes this byproduct now that's, that, that springs this disgusting behavior where you think you can say whatever you want. Mm. You can say whatever is on the tip of your tongue without fear of consequence. I can't tell you how many times I've had people literally screaming horrific stuff at me, my family, my sister, my wife, my girlfriend as a player. But I knew that was the territory I was operating in. But I knew if I was in real life and somebody decided, to say something to me, I give him a look. Mm. I, I dare you to say that again. And all of a mm. sudden it was like, whoa, oh, I mean, why are you mad at me, bro? What chill out? You're the pro. Like they back off really quick. Yeah. So where are we in today's world? Man, I really don't know. We're, no. we're in the dark corners of whatever internet you want to find yourself in. And I think we're in a dangerous time. We are in a dangerous time. And and we've got to figure out, and and this is just my moral compass of however I look at life. This this karma this this karma effect of how how we treat people and others treat us. Right now, twenty twenty one, everybody is so angry. We are at mm. such a boiling point right now. But are we? I mean, a lot of it though. We're right to be, aren't we? It's, no, you know, take course. it back to the glaciers. There's a lot course. of things to be angry at. Of course, you yes. know. I mean, listen, VAR's folks. a thing. You know, <laughs> it is. who's drawing those lines? <laughs> is it his armpit? Come on. Is it his toenail? What's wrong what with is a you? T-shirt line? Who has a T-shirt these yeah, days? I know, Nobody, I, know that's seri- I, I know we got serious today. We got really serious. Not serious XMFC every morning or afternoon listening to Grumpy Pundits or, or Counterattack. But, Tom, it's it's one of those situations where yeah. I think we've 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 only scratched the surface in a lot of this. And, and yes. for much like we were talking about last week with the Super League, what's happening down the line? 
there's a lot more immediacy with this. And I think that's kind of the fearful part for all of us. We're in the business. We're in the business of broadcasting. We're in the business of being fans. We're in the business of me, me being in the United States and buying jerseys and tuning in at 5 a.m. Mountain time to make sure I'm watching Ole Gunnar Solskjaer starting 11 and the whistle blowing at Old Trafford versus a lot of people, generations, hard-earned money going into the stadium and wanting to be a part of something that they've believed in their entire life, their family's entire life. And that this, that there's a social contract that's being broken in real time between these owners, these owners, this isn't just the Manchester United thing, these owners and fans that they look at it as it, it, they're custodians of this, of this yeah. culture, of this lifestyle, of, of this football team, whereas these owners are monetizing it in real time. And I think that's where, that's where a lot of the base of this anger starts with. But you've got to find a balance in that. You, I think most people, I'm happy for my owners to make money. I'm happy for them to be wealthy. Yes. I also want them to have some sort of moral compass. What that is, I don't know. Listen, I've got to move on. Um, but I do want to say, firstly, your scary face there, as in, are you looking at me, was incredibly arousing. <laughs> uh, and I think it's important that people know that because I think you were trying to scare me and I feel the, I don't know how to feel now. I feel as if I'm glad there's an ocean between us because that's say, all that's yeah. between us. Um, <laughs> uh, and secondarily, we'll come back to this topic because it is going to run and run. But there is some football bits that happened this weekend that it's certainly worth getting to. What grabbed you from the actual football that happened over the last few days? Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz, the player Chelsea never knew they needed and yet what spent uh, 100 million pound on him. Um, I was so excited when I saw that Kai Havertz was linked with Chelsea. And I'll tell you why. Uh, when I was down at Fox Sports 1 or FS1, Fox Soccer Channel, we did so much Bundesliga. We did so much Europa League. And at the time, I was actually spent in 1998. I spent about three and a half months at Bayer Leverkusen. So I know the club inside and out. I was training at the club when Frankie Hayduck was there. And it was, it became kind of special, iconic. It's just like Glasgow Rangers. I was at Rangers the year before. So there's kind of this little tug and pull for me. And to see Kai Havertz as a teenager coming through the system and having heard about him 15, 16, he's making his debut in the Bundesliga. All of a sudden he becomes the best player. Whether you're talking about the number 10, you're talking about a wide right or a wide left or a trifecta in the front or a 0.9 striker. This kid was so good that, it was, it was only a matter of time, right? It was only a matter of time before he was in the German setup. It was only a matter of time between before Yogi Love made him a focal point of what they were trying to do for the next generation. And to see his move to Chelsea happen, I was excited. But I was concerned because I wasn't sure how Kai Havertz, as an 18, 19, 20-year-old, would then transition into a 20, you know, the guy to a 21-year-old. Mm. All right, he's no longer the focal point. Now he's a part of the puzzle. And I wasn't sure what part of the puzzle he was going to fit for either Frank Lampard or Thomas Tuchel. Mm. Now, is he going to be a nine? Is he going to be off the shoulder? Is he going to be a 10? Is he going to be a winger, but an inverted winger? I, I think we've seen it all. I think we've seen him give an opportunity. Now, whether you're talking about COVID or, you know, adapting from German life to English life or, man, you can't do anything. It's in the middle of a, of a COVID lockdown. These, these mm. young kids are going to training and coming home and they're stuck at home. There's, there's a mentality, a psychological element that comes to play in terms of adapting in a year like this. He's only started 17 of Chelsea's, what, 34 matches so far. He's only scored at Stamford Bridge. But when I saw this weekend, I saw a kid that not only are you catching glimpses of what he's capable of doing, you're seeing that, man, he actually might be 
this this <laughs> a very expensive diamond in the rough that mm. is far out far is going to far outshine Olivier Giroud, Tammy Abraham, and even Timo Werner. Mm. He is the player that is going to become more important than any of those others, even though it's going to take a little bit more time to get there. And I think he showed us this this weekend, and I get it. It's not the strongest of opponent, but I think we're finally there with Kai Havertz. I, mean, I, I, admire, I do admire you taking this stance. You've gone early, and a lot of the German journalists, you know, I was chatting to Raf Honigstein fairly brief, brief, uh, recently. He was telling me that um, he's going to be the one. You know, he is going to be the star player. Forget Timo Werner, all of this. This is the guy that German football is going to be built around for a decade. The youth team has been built around him, you know, Kevin Hatchard, all these guys that know it inside and out. And I don't want to tell you that they're wrong and tell you you're wrong because it's obvious you are all completely wrong. This guy is perfectly acceptable. <laughs> he is the footballing equivalent of waiting all day in a queue for ice cream and you get double scoop vanilla. Now, vanilla's great. It is actually, weirdly, I'm going to admit something really odd to you. Vanilla's probably my favorite flavor of ice cream. <laughs> Like and it's not no, this analogy. <laughs> it's not plain, right? It's not plain. People say, "Oh, get plain." It's not yeah. plain. It's vanilla. It's a proper flavor. It is part of the the uh, the flavor palette to be able to taste vanilla. There's nothing wrong with it, but it isn't going to excite anybody. It is sustaining. It's mm. tasty. It's rich. It has a velvety look about it. Do you put jimmies um, on it? Do you put jimmies on your vanilla ice cream? Jimmy's means condoms in England, so I'm very confused by what you think I'm eating and where you think I am. Well, in very Boston, worrying. when I first got to Boston as a 19-year-old, Jimmy's are actually sprinkles. He's right, like, brother, brother, you want any Jimmy's? And I was like, no, I'll just do sprinkles. If He's you're like, getting Jimmy's, sprinkles, sprinkles, if you're getting sprinkles in your Jimmy, you're going to have an unwanted child. Okay, you're gonna have to That's, go to the doctor. This is what I'm saying about this. <laughs> Jimmy sprinkles are not the same thing. Don't go to Glasgow and ask for a Jimmy sprinkle because that's going to be big trouble, especially if you're already in an alleyway. All I'm saying is he is a perfectly good footballer, and I'm sure he is going to be very valuable to Chelsea. But I, I, I don't see these two goals against Fulham. I don't see his recent performances that have encouraged me. I wouldn't put him in a kind of he is going to have a Gareth Bale type development. I am not revved. I would order it. I would eat it. I would potentially lick it. But I don't think it's going to be of that caliber. If he does, I'm okay. I'm happy. I, I love to see players develop. It's, it's a fantastic thing to watch. Um, but I would say that one of those goals was more about Mason Mount, who is the guy that this team needs to be built around for 10 years. We haven't got a great deal of time today. Maybe we'll bring this back another time. But I do want to say his assist for the first goal. Now that is pistachio. That is raspberry ripple. That is caramel millionaire ice cream. That is honeycomb center, salted caramel deliciousness. That is a big scoop of Neapolitan where you get all three flavors and smother it all over your bald forehead straight after you recorded your podcast with Brian Dunseth. How that much ice cream bit- are you oh, eating today? I really want some ice cream. <laughs> I'm cutting my calories right down. Summers are coming. sound like it. Summers are coming, baby. <laughs> and the lockdown's nearly over here. I want to get this beach bod out in oh, Devon ASAP. But that was sumptuous. Like that, the way, for those that haven't seen it, I know you've seen it, the way he yeah. brings it down over his shoulder, first touch, Special and then player. slips in habits the second. You know, I, I don't want to compare them in this particular conversation, but if I was a gambling man and I was putting my money on which of these is going to become the star player for Chelsea Football Club, I'm going Team Mason. You want mm. to be Team Kai? You lick him if you want.
One more thing we should mention. Um, there's been an actual title winner uh, this week. Um, and Juventus are no longer winning Serie A, which by default makes it interesting again. Hey, by the way, your man, or actually Andrew Williams' man, Antonio Conte, he giveth and then he taketh. He giveth <laughs> to Juve to the start of this incredible nine-year run of Serie A titles. And today, he taketh. And not only did he taketh from Juve, he taketh from Roma. He taketh from AC Milan. He take it from Napoli. He take it from Atalanta. And this was what is incredible. Your brace is too tight. What are you doing? <laughs> this is what is incredible. Antonio Conte and what he did at Stamford Bridge with Chelsea, with no Europa League, no yeah. Champions League, with only worried about the FA Cup and the Gummy Bear Cup, lifting a Premier League trophy <laughs> to be forced out in the manner in which he was. That beautiful Lego helmet that's like sitting atop that glorious head to see what he's done wrestling back control making the the crazies of inter milan uh now no longer the crazy house that he's really said okay it's me or you i'll take my 10 million per year payout you'll pay me for the next three seasons or you can have your power that's cool but we're gonna get knocked out of every european competition and we're gonna win a city out title and that's exactly what he did so the three points, courtesy of Christian Eriksen, by the way. Remember that mm. name? Ashraf Hakimi, fantastic player. And uh, it brings an end to Juve's nine-year winning cycle. So Good. Sorry, Andrea. Man, Hope you're all right, buddy. Antonio Conte. Yeah. It is good. It is. Good. I mean, I do want to support that. Sure that was a Conte voice. But... Oh, was that what you were doing? I just assumed it that is... you were drifting off into the distance. Yes, it is good. That's a little bit like Eric Cantona's trawler. That's what you were doing. I mean, <laughs> it's close. It's European. That you know, pra a pan-European accent always all you're going for. Knock it out of the park. Yep. I want to support Antonio Conte. I do because he is an, a real lesson in the idiocy of the football industry. Mm. You've got a great manager at Chelsea who the fans absolutely love, and he has delivered a title. The next year, he, de year he delivered a cup, and instead of going, we should probably build something around this incredible coach. They, they bend him off. And in no other industry would you have a manager that good, a head of the uh, department that good, and you sack him for no reason. Like, mm -hmm. in no other industry would that happen. I want to support him because of that. Um, I was working on the game, which was his last game, where all the crowd are chanting Antonio, and they knew they were never going to see him again. Unfortunately, yeah. you can't do that because we, the bald, hate the head. Simple as that. Mm -hmm. And Antonio Conte is a traitor. He's a traitor to our kind. He's a traitor to our people. And nobody in a wig should be respected at any point for any reason. Bald is beautiful. <laughs> that is a fact. Um, I do want to mention on this, though, I saw a great video. Uh, you'll, you'll know I'm not all over the Italian football. I, you know, I, I'm not one for the, the multi-year champion leagues. It's putting me off the Premier League, to be honest. I'm getting to the championship soon. Um, but there's a great video, and there is some social media going on at the moment. Romelu Lukaku, God bless him, another one on a redemption story. There's a great video of him. So there's a video going on in um, in Milan near the Duomo where there's a whole yeah. bunch of fans celebrating 11 yep. years since the last Scudetto, all that. Go to Lukaku's Instagram Live. Is it Facebook Live, Instagram Live? One of the live ones, anyway. I'm, I'm young. I use the TikTok myself. Um, what is that again? It's not the... Oh, that's Tic-Tac-Toe. It's another thing. That was on Microsoft Office, 92. Word. Um, uh, that was 92. We said 92. It's a whole thing. Um, that was a very multi-layered, brilliant joke. Uh, but there's a great live video of Lukaku into Milan, star striker, driving through Milan 
hanging out the back of this car or maybe out of the sunroof. You can't quite tell. And he is live streaming himself singing at Inter Milan fans and, and just people, basically. Love it. Screaming at people out of a car. Yeah. It is excellent. It is joyous. It is lovely to watch in this time of desperation and misery for so many. The joy of the redemption of Lukaku hanging out of a car window. It's the video we all need right now. Well, r- rumor was it was uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the other end of the line. <laughs> I don't think he drives himself, does he? <laughs> Let's face it. There's no way that he does. Um, that's all we've got time for. That was a lot of ground covered uh, for our second Week in the Tackle podcast. Uh, Danny, next week, we're looking for levity, brevity, okay. and humor. We don't want any discussion about... Um, the devils of racism and the issues of protest. What we're looking for is ice cream and porn names. You got that? Yeah. No jimmies for you. Never put a jimmy on your ice cream, especially not in Glasgow. That's the shot. Well, that's it for this week's Week in the Tackle. A bit of a heavy program this week, but at least you know vanilla is my favourite ice cream flavour. So that's a revelation I didn't think I'd be giving you today. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. Week in the Tackle is also available on the Sirius XM app, which is free for most subscribers. Download it today and tap podcasts. For video clips of the show and for more, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Sirius XM FC. Week in the Tackle is part of the Sirius XM podcast network and is produced by Tim Horsey. The executive producer is Pete Corey. Sound design was by Joey DeFazio. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for Sirius XM. Special thanks to Sirius XM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen, and Sirius XM FC's program director, Joe Tollison. Sirius XM Podcasts. <laughs>